Ladies, gentlemen, folks beyond the binary, grab your husband, wife, partner, mistress, your wife's boyfriend, that mysterious stranger you effed that one time, and gather around the radio. It's time for this week's meeting of the Erotic Thriller Club. friends welcome to the erotic thrillers club we are your hosts i am garrett calendar i am kit ryan and we are here to get sexy and dangerous with you sexy so dangerous so already you're tuning into the first episode and you're like who are they why is this happening why these two people why should i listen first off why erotic thrillers kit why are we doing this erotic thrillers i say but listen we all have the experience of you know catching one of these on tv uh or or seeing even just the the cover at the at the old timey video rental place and having feelings that you didn't quite understand right right truly truly this is a genre that everybody i've talked to is i've started this is you know it's kind of going through a project with this everybody started on these two young everybody absolutely no one saw this at the appropriate age Mm -mm. this was a gateway drug into discovering your sexuality, uh, just pornography. There was, it was not accessible to us youngins in the 80s and 90s. We were so deprived. We didn't even have real media clips at first. But you know what was available? A $5 bin at Walmart where you could grab mm. a copy of Devil in the Flesh. You could get a copy of Wild Things. Or, like, for me... I very, I mean, I definitely owned both of those movies. So that was coming from a place of reality. Uh, (laughs) But I remember I was 13 going to Best Buy, seeing uh, Original Sin Unrated with Antonio Banderas and uh, Angelina Jolie. God, um, she's so gorgeous in that too. And those two Mm -hmm. banged for me. And that is like, it's super illegal at the time. It feels like I was 13. But, you know, I think something interesting, though, about, like, these amazing, stupid, sexy movies is that it kind of helped enhance our our film palette at a young age. I because think that's you, true. A- among our other palettes. <clears throat> a lot of palettes. There There's are a, a lot, lot of palettes, palettes being covered. Uh, but I think that it it helped enhance that and like because you're you know you start just fast forwarding looking for 
your favorite celebrity who is nice enough to show you their bosom or or if you're the, me you're watching cheeks. cruel intentions and uh you see the 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 two girls kissing and uh you're like i didn't i didn't know they could do that ooh, ooh. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is a genre that all of us, everybody has seen one of these. And regardless of how you felt about them, I think on a revisit of a lot of these movies, so much more fun than you realize. I think that's absolutely true because the, it's all so new and you're over, the senses are overwhelmed when you are a youngin watching one of these. There's a lot to process, but now as we are of the appropriate age to be watching these, uh, I, f- I feel like we can appreciate them from a whole whole new level. So basically where this all started is one day I decided, you know what I haven't seen in a long time? That Richard Gere, Diane Lane movie where she's cheating on her husband with a, like a very sexy European man at a restaurant. Unfaithful is the name oh. of that movie. Uh, and for whatever reason that opened up into a larger conversation with friends about this genre. And I decided I want to start ranking these movies. So I was kind of just pulling from ones I hadn't seen yet. And I got, I'm 12 deep, but the conversations I was having with people about these, this is the most engagement I've ever had on anything I've posted online. Everybody has so many feelings and most of them are horny. Uh, by def yeah by definition they're gonna they're gonna be horny as as well as hilarious it's thrilling a little thrilling thrilling. a little thrilling a little horny a little hilarious but a little bit about kit and i why are like why the two of us are taking this deep dive into this genre for you that's a, a really good i mean basically garrett this whole thing was really started because you wanted an excuse to hang out with me more often. Let's, let's just be real. Duh. <laughs> Duh. I want to hang out with my friend and talk about celebrities privates. Would, uh... <laughs> it, there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, yeah, Garrett and I uh, go back in the, in the movie watching for, oh, oh God, it's like 15 years now, isn't it? At least we started and... doing this in college. We, we went and out now we're eat. both schmirschmer years old. But yeah, we started with uh, uh, Bangkok Dangerous, wasn't it? With uh, Nick Cage. Yeah, absolutely. And for those confused, not an erotic thriller, even though no. it includes all the words that would make Bang it Bangkok. Bangkok. Dangerous. dangerous. Yes. We were, were there liaisons in it? Uh, probably. There was sexy hair. There was extremely sexy hair. But uh, yeah, so we started with bad movies, um, and uh, we still do, of course. Uh, It's just that uh, erotic thrillers are, they're not necessarily bad movies. Some of them are. Let's get that out of the way. But they're all, they they provide the same feelings that, that Garrett and I get from watching a really good bad movie, which is that this is going so hard it is trying to make you feel so many feelings it's trying to make you thrilled horny it's trying to 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 pump everything up to 11 and we love that 
everything is so heightened in the majority of these movies. And there is like, like Kit said, I mean, the sex, the violence, the level of cheese that goes on top of these, because some of these movies are genuinely like very, very good movies. Absolutely. But it's hard to deny that when you start watching two stars talk about fucking and then doing so <laughs> that makes you feel a way where you like you snicker a little bit you feel a little naughty there oh is he showing his cheeks is she showing her boobs always, always. um but yeah let, let i want to see these... one just one that i will give a special award if we ever find one where there are no boobs but we do see full frontal male like if if we see dick but no boobs i will be very impressed that is a movie waiting to be made. Yeah, Hollywood. But it get will on be that. it will be a flaccid. Let's I mean, you know, no denying that. Unless no, there's a hundred percent chance it'll be flaccid, which still a thrill, depending on who's it. It's a thrill no matter whose it is. It I want matter. to see anyone's parts that are willing to show them. Yeah, you're willing to show them. I'm willing to look. That is not an excuse to send us unsolicited dick pics. Just uh, uh no, no, no. <laughs> At erotic thriller. Uh, cl- at erotic thriller club on instagram if you want to slide into those dms and uh mm, and get horny there you go <laughs> <laughs> what have you done garrett what have you done to us i'm opening the floodgates of no, horniness why? just like these movies are <laughs> but they you need an outlet the... where that outlet <laughs> but let's you... get moist together oh no, but once you've opened the floodgates on the erotic, aren't you also opening the floodgates on the thrills? And therefore, we're going to get death threats and people trying to, I don't know, uh, stalk, murder, all the rest of the things that go on in these movies. I don't want that part. You signed up for it. The second you put a microphone in front of your face and include something on social media, you are opening yourself up to danger. Uh, Oh, you know what? That's what these movies should have taught us this whole time. You put yourself out there. You weren't paying attention. You were too busy looking at boobs. I was too busy looking at boobs. I confess. All right, everybody. It's time to get into it. Yes, let's. Because we had so much fun. Oh, my God. You're actually going to... (laughs) <laughs> so everybody i am opening up a bottle of champagne i already opened mine oh, i'm doing it i'm popping this thing on the air here we go ladies and gentlemen Woo! it's time to break this bottle even though it's gonna pour all over me because i already opened it mm. against the metaphorical ship that is michael douglas erotic 90s adulterous ass and mm. get going Let's do this thing. It's time for all of us to take a trip down to the bayou and get caught up in a very awkward love triangle between a painter, a businessman, a sex-starved lady who likes to jog? Today on the Erotic Thriller Club, Zandali. Holy shit, guys. So it only made sense to Kit and I that we kick this podcast off with a Nicolas Cage movie because our friendship started over a love of this beautiful deranged human. Oh my god. That I'll he never really get he really gets to go full cage at at the end here. It gets it gets so good. This movie is immediately from the jump a shock to the senses. 
Yes. And, and Starting with the pro- Zydeco music that like gets the whole thing going. It's a very strange vibe because it's real jaunty. It's very jaunty. And you wouldn't think that the sound of um, something sliding up and down a washboard will get you going. But you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. But when I say from the jump, I don't mean from when I see action on screen. I mean from the fucking credits oh my of God. this movie. It's You're hit after that- hit after hit. I mean, let's let's run through this cast list. Of course, yeah, yeah, we've yeah. got Nicolas Cage as Johnny Collins. Mm-hmm. We've got Judge Reinhold as Theory Martin. Terry. You got to say it in the accent and then it comes out right. Terry. Spell that. T-H-I-E-R-R-Y. You win the spelling bee of weird names. Is that a, is this like, this has to be a Cajun name, right? It's French. Absolutely. We've got Erica Anderson as Zondali. Uh, Joe Pantoliano. We've got musician Aaron Neville's name pops up. Steve Buscemi, Ian Abercrombie, who you might know is Elaine Bennis's boss at one point in Seinfeld. I didn't know that. Mr. Pitt. Uh, Marissa, Marissa Tomei, Tomei with a it's, with it's, a wonderful little pre uh, my cousin Vinny uh, uh, role here that it, it really she's leaning into the Brooklyn accent. It's she, she's a delight in such a tiny, tiny, tiny role. She is always going to be a major celebrity crush for me. And, you know, obviously I see Marissa Tomei's name pop up in an erotic thriller. That's going to elicit feelings. I'm mm. ready. I'm ready I'm to sorry, get into do, this. You're not going to see your boobs in this one. I'm so sorry. Spoiler alert. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> okay, so this movie gets started. We're in the French Quarter. We're, you know, we're mm-hmm. on the balcony. We're hanging out over, over the street. We get a look at our lead. We get a look at Zandali. She's watering, watering plants. Plants so erotically. That was a question I had. I'm not like an expert on New Orleans architecture, but they seem to go in and out of their windows a lot onto the balcony, including at one point she like enters the house through the window. Like they have these big floor to ceiling windows through the balcony. Like, is that just a normal way to get into your place in New Orleans? I buy that. I buy that. Of of everything that I needed to question in this film, that, that was one, one of them. the things that I was just like, I'm on board with this. I did notice it, but mm. I was like, yeah, you know, why have a full door to get out there when you can just hunch down through a window? She gets through the door, the window. She goes mm-hmm. into the house. We are two minutes and 19 seconds into this movie. Boobs. Boobs. And Boobs. not long so- after, full frontal, like with Bush, like... The whole, the whole Zondali, nine yards. Yeah, you get it all very quickly. Very Full quickly. frontal by 225. Absolutely. And she's a free spirit. She's dancing. She's dancing. having fun. To the music, we're her. not sure if it's diegetic or not. Like, <laughs> So from this moment, it did confuse me going a little further into the movie because Thierry, uh, played by Judge Reinhold, very erotic man, if you've ever seen Judge Reinhold. And that him. mustache is doing him some great favors. It is. Mwah. This is a movie of fuckable facial hair. It really is. You're, you're, that is an accurate uh, description. Like, if it were the 90s, you were down on the bayou, you saw either of these men swamp. 
It's going to turn into a swamp down there. I mean, it was already a swamp down there. Actually, that was another problem I had with this. Um, it is New Orleans. They clearly do not have air conditioning. And it's just nobody's all that sweaty. Hmm. I thought they should be like covered you... in sweat. Well, this, I mean, we're not there yet, obviously, but I thought that was some of the fun of the uh, the ambiance of the movie Body Heat, another erotic uh... thriller where it's unseasonably hot in Florida and everybody's sweaty and fucky the whole movie. Yeah, because it gives you that like uh, streetcar named Desire. You're, uh, you know, it gives you a Tennessee Williams kind of it's too hot and all we can think about is fucking each other kind of vibe. It's putting out those pheromones. You're getting that mm. smell that's like hitting your animalistic urges to sleep with your best friend's wife. Yeah, absolutely. Who who among us has not felt that way? So we find out that Judge Reinhold, Thierry. Thierry. Uh, God damn, I'm Tari. never looking at that name. I will never pronounce it right. Thierry. 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 He is a businessman. Johnny, Johnny, uh, former, former poet mm-hmm. turned businessman. Yeah, he inherited his dad's company after his father's death. I think it's not super clear, uh, because he kind of owns the company, but also it gets bought out from under him at one point. So I guess he doesn't own the company. Uh, it's unclear. The problem is that people tried to write in these business dealings that make no sense to the viewer, but that's also not why we're in this movie. It is not. We're here for Zandali. Uh, so mm-hmm. there's some, it's supposed to tell me that he once had a fire. He had a passion. He had a horniness for life inside of him that got sucked away when he was a businessman. And honestly, based on movies like Wall Street, I thought those dudes were like super horny. Yeah, I thought so too, but it seems to have sucked all the mojo out of him. Although he does dance with her while she's naked and he recites some poetry to her. And and so you think things are like mostly okay between the two of them. I mean, he seems unhappy at his job. Clearly he's staring in the mirror at himself and seeing only his existential dread stare back at him. And uh <laughs> but 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 their relationship seems Okay. From the jump, I didn't get a vibe that this is a problem. Uh, But Mm -hmm. as he leaves his house, I think he's going to work until he picks up a little red Shriners cap. Yeah, there is a weird time jump here. So he leaves the house. With his Shriners hat. With his Shriners hat. What the fuck? It's nine in the morning. I don't know where he's going. I don't even understand his job at this point. Is it a parade, maybe, I'm thinking? Because, you know, don't the Shriners do the little cars with the parade? Yeah. And, you know, it's New Orleans. There could be a parade at nine in the morning. And then we get our first jogging scene. Which, as far as we can tell throughout this movie, everybody, every character has some sort of passion. Mm -hmm. Zondali seems to be a runner. That's all I can tell. But She also owns her little dress shop, and she has a gay best friend. And that appears to be the extent of her personality <laughs> which i'm gonna go ahead and just say this up front uh, as far as zondali goes she is the og bella swan zondali uh. walked so that bella swan could hold on tight little spider monkey like this <laughs> is a movie of a love triangle between a very sexy woman mm-hmm. i like from the jump i was like 
I will ruin my life for Zondali. I absolutely disagree. Uh, we're going to have to have a conversation about this at the end about like the would you ruin your life for this conversation because I would not ruin my life for any of our three leads. I'm so sorry. You like I don't want to get so early in this show be like you're an idiot. But you know it is. Wow, Aaron, it's <laughs> hurtful. So well, we're drinking mimosas at 11 in the morning and this is having true. a this is having an erotic thriller conversation. Okay, as far as the Bella Swan stuff, we'll circle back to that eventually. Absolutely. With her very awful love triangle. But what we find out about Zandali while she's jogging is she sees a train. You see mm-hmm. a little glimmer in her eye. And I think like, oh, she's going to jog well ahead of it, go around. She gets as close to that fucking train as she could. She just dives right in front of the thing. And we are less than five minutes into this movie, and she's jumping in front of a freaking train. Like, this movie wants you to be paying attention right away. What we know about this woman so far, she's got a bush. She's mm-hmm. um, got a lust, like, for, for life. a little bit of danger. Yeah. You know, life she's... She's she's a little reckless. I don't know if I uh, a lust for danger, a thirst for Ooh, danger. There you go. That's the word we're looking for. And then she- and then a minute after that, Steve Buscemi jumps off the back of a garbage truck to deliver the theme of the movie, and, and then pieces out for like thirty minutes. Yeah, he's really our Jiminy Cricket in that this is, uh, booby I did tale. Not think of it that way, but you're absolutely right. He is. He shows up to like be like. Hey, you shouldn't fuck that guy. And then just disappears into the mist. Uh, This was most of the exchange of dialogue. Hey, baby, what do you know? Not much. Stay out of trouble now. Just like you. Yeah, baby. Just like me. Remember, nothing's as good as they say it is. Nothing. Not even me. And I do some pretty. I do something I do something, something awful, awful, pretty good. Pretty good, yes. And uh, oh, lest we forget, he is in fact a prisoner who is a garbage collector, which I did not think was a form of prison labor, but I'm not, you know, an expert on the subject. But there he is on the back of a truck with his little prison jumpsuit delivering life advice, and then uh, off he goes. Busemi disappears. He high fives his fellow trash man, goes off into the morning sun. Right under the six minute mark. More boobs at the red hat, funny, funny red hat meeting. Ah, funny red hat club is having a good time. And then the entrance of Nick Cage. What a glorious entrance for such a gross weirdo. He is. But he he jumps in. He he does a hair flip thing. The silhouette of a head banging psychopath is in the doorway. Goes in like we're led to believe he has just walked into town. He's from somewhere else even, and just runs in to Judge Reinhold, who he kind of didn't seem to know lived there. This yeah, is his best friend. Yeah, but they apparently hadn't spoken in like a, a year or more. Like he didn't, he had never met Zandali before. So, you know, I think they were all like college buddies, you know? Well, it is established that Nicolas Cage never went to college. That's true. He stole his dad's tuition money instead um, and just used that money to like drink and paint. 
It's funny though, because this guy is using painting to fuck women. Absolutely. But like, I wouldn't say he was a terrible artist. Like some of that art yeah. was like, I mean, I'm, I don't know a ton about art, but I, I think it was all passable as art. And I think that it's funny that like some guys will be like, I'm going to join the the football team to get with chicks. But this guy's like gross, but seem to take the time to be a good artist. <laughs> you know what? It's kind of like the, um, so, so they did a, an experiment once where uh, uh, a pottery professor decided to have um, his class divided in half, right? And half was supposed to work on just one piece of, of like pottery and that one piece would be their grade for the final. Right. And then the other half of the class just had to make as much as possible to like make a certain weight amount of pottery they had made. And it turns out that the people who made a lot of pottery um, actually did better as in like their their work was of higher quality. So what I'm saying is he paints in order to fuck women so much that he accidentally got super good at painting. I love that. I love that. And that's once again, like how we became experts in the field of bad movies. 100%. We put in the 10,000 hours of work. We did. We sat and through the barbed wires. Mm -hmm. We sat through the cats. We sat through mommy dearest. Uh, we watched tiptoes. And here oh, we are wonderful. talking about sex and violence and cheese to you. Absolutely. We put 10,000 hours into the movies and into our friendship. So Nicolas Cage enters the room, sees his friend. They establish, oh my God, it's my best friend, you're here. But immediately he loses attention to that as he pulls a stripper into his lap, sprays whipped cream all over her and eats it off of her chest. Boy uh, always did have a sweet tooth. Oh. Is what Judge Reinhold says about his best friend, Johnny Collins. When you said that line and went into boy, I thought you were actually going dumber and gonna do like a beavis and butthead like boy <laughs> i love that you think so highly of me that you think that i would i would do that um no no you're the classy one of the two of us yeah is that not what we were going for because we can't both be the unclassy one well i'm the um the white guy on this Ooh. podcast so you know like that Which uh, you're contractually obligated to have if it is part of my birthright to have a microphone and opinions it is true meanwhile i'm the i don't know um bisexual one so it's it's good because i can i can give opinions on on all of the leads anyone who takes their clothes off i can i can rate that so after stripper meeting which I still feel like is at nine in the morning. Uh, yeah. They Nick Cage goes to Thierry. Thierry. God damn. I have the memory of a goldfish with this guy's name. Like it's, it's okay. They also can't decide how to pronounce Zandali because Thierry calls her Zandali, but Nick Cage calls her Zandali. And I don't she know. Never corrects. She never corrects either of them. So it's because she's polite and doesn't really have much of a voice in this movie. Cause she's Bella Swan. Cause she's Bella Swan. She's, she's the every woman, but less. Yeah. Do you think Bella Swan would really correct Edward if he called her like 
Bella. No, she wouldn't correct Edward. Maybe Jacob. Definitely Mike Newton. Absolutely. Okay, so we get in the house. This is where we have the first meeting of Zandali, of Johnny. Uh, it is, he's and immediately- of Grandmama. Of Grandma. His, yeah, he live, they live with Grandma, which is pretty cool. Tata. Like she's, they call her Tata. And as far as Nicolas Cage, red velvet jacket, a belt buckle that spells trouble. Like if I saw somebody with this type mm. of belt buckle out in the wild, and I think that's going to be a theme through a lot of the erotic thrillers. I, I've seen a lot of people with trouble have interesting belt buckles because, you know, you want something flashy, zazzy down by your penis to get people looking there thinking about it. You gotta and it's get their eyes in the right street. place. You know, women can wear a low cut shirt to get to get the eyeballs where you want them. What, what option do men have to get you to look at their dick? Flashy what? belt buckle. Cut a little off the top of the pants. Show a little root. Mm. I'm very fashion forward, though, and I would be okay with a little. Actually, you know what? Root out in the world would cause so many problems. Hide the root. Put the root away. Stick with the belt buckle just so we know. Put that root underground. (laughs) So these three are hanging out on the couch. Nicolas Cage is smoking in their house, immediately walked in. Is that a very 90s thing to be able to just light a cigarette in someone's home? It's a New Orleans thing because I know there's more smoking indoors in New Orleans than other places. But like it does seem really rude. He just lights up in front of them and does not ask. When I lived in Los Angeles, a friend of mine was having a party and Horatio Sands showed up to the party. He was, I guess, dating somebody who was attending comes into their home and is like, is it cool if I smoke in here? When has like past a certain point that ever been okay, but they didn't want to say no to Horatio Sands. So there's in their small home smoking cigarettes on their couch. And that's so bizarre to me. Like that is such a, like, I don't even think he's at a level of fame where that's okay. Like maybe mm-hmm. Meryl Streep can smoke in my house. Oh my but she god, won't. absolutely. But she wouldn't is the thing. Yeah. She she would never do that. But if she did, I I would I would be like, oh you, of course. You want some muffins? Somebody I enjoy, like I've never, you know, I'm not gonna say like turn down watching Horatio Sands in something. He's delightful, but he's I'd be like, no, I feel like you need outside. to be an actual A-lister. You need to be yeah. at that level before you can smoke in someone's house. Yeah. So they're sitting around, they're chatting, and I don't, they're discussing art and and um, Judge Reinhold not being an artist anymore. And at one point, Nicolas Cage says the line, I don't care if you're Donald Trump without art, you can't straight up, you can't go straight up the devil's ass and smile at him and survive. Which is such a wild line. How are you going to smile at the devil and look him in the eyes if you're up his asshole? That doesn't anatomically make a whole bunch of sense. He's a better poet than Judge Reinhold, who we need to is point the out is the, who is has the accent of Foghorn Leghorn in this movie. <laughs> and he's the only one that was given the okay to do the accent other than Joe uh, Pantale- Pantaleano. Am I saying Pantale- his name wrong? Pantale- like, you'd think that Nicolas Cage would be chomping at the bit 
to do an accent in this movie. That motherfucker loves an accent. But he, you know what? He doesn't even need it. He just needs his mullet. He needs his mustache soul patch combo. Oh, yeah. And he's good to go. And he's talking about painting uh, naked women. And uh, Zandali asks about it. And he's talking about how hard it is to concentrate when that big red snatch is coming right in your face like a freight train. It's pretty hard to paint. I'll tell you that. Just like that freight train she threw herself in front of while jogging. That was the metaphorical snatch. Him saying that is his equivalent of sparkling. Like that is his <gasps> Edward Cullen moment that starts to get her oddly interested <sighs> in this bizarre. Why? Why that? Like if somebody said snatch to me out in the real world, I'd be like, ooh, this person is out there. This is eccentric. They've just met me. And yeah. big red. Red sounds infected. Yeah. I've seen a few. They don't seem red all the time. No. That's something's inflamed at the very least. <laughs> oh my god, I can't. <laughs> it yeah, really find is out, so bizarre. It's with this movie progresses, we find out that uh Thierry has stopped Tari. writing. Tari, god motherfucker. Thierry, Thierry. eyed Thierry eyed. Thierry. You gotta put Tari. the emphasis on the second syllable. Tari. It's fine. So we find out. Basically, his dad died and he lost his mojo. I think it's, you know, it's just the business thing. He took over the company business. I have a he will not fuck theory. his wife. I have a different theory on Go why ahead. Tari lost his mojo. Go ahead. I think Zandali took it from him. I think Zandali is an anti-muse. Bullshit. Bullshit. She is every... Anti-muse? She's yeah. taking... Well, go ahead. Explain yeah, why. Okay, why do you okay. think this? So, you know, uh, there are, you, you get like the, the woman who is the muse, right, of of the artist. And they can't work if she's not there fueling their passion, right? Okay. Here's the thing. At the end of the movie, spoilers, um, Nick Cage's paintings suck. And the last painting he made that was good, according to the art critic who comes by, is the one he did of Tari. The last one he did before he started fucking Zandali. Hmm. Which is interesting because he, when he does this painting, which he looks like he's putting, you know, maximum effort into, he's doing a good job. Everyone seems to hate it. Yeah. Nobody seems all that. I think they think it's too like, like maybe it was too real and it, it shows how sad is and that's you know disturbing to them I, I think that might be what they're but they don't they don't ever say that they think it's good you're right it honestly is a horrible reaction to give somebody like I know he came in your house he said snatch he smoked cigarettes inside he's been very off-putting he's come on to you sexually but they haven't had this conversation. Tiri does not know this. The grandma doesn't know this. And everybody, like, it is like if you gifted some, like, you know, you're, it's Christmas time. You give your significant other a gift and you can just see a look of disappointment on their face from yeah. said gift. Yeah. And like, then you see Tiri, like, trying to figure out where to put it in the house and then finally being like, yeah, I'll try it in the bedroom. Like, 
oh, because that's the room he's least likely to go into and therefore won't notice <laughs> that you didn't actually put it up. Well, yeah, he's going to put it in the room that he does not fuck in. That he... So that it cannot watch him fuck his wife. He doesn't like the eyes following him in the paintings. Mm. Uh, at this point, Joe, uh, the gay best friend, and Zandali go to a sex club. It is clearly a gay sex club, I want to point out, because like the bartender's gay. You see a lot of like gay coded extras in the crowd, mm. but it is heterosexual sex that is being simulated by the dancers on stage. And I was very confused about that. I don't know if the yeah. movie just was like, well, Zandali's the one who needs to get horny right now. So obviously it needs to be a man and a woman who are grinding up there. Or if they were just like, if there was something like, oh, we can't show gay grinding at a gay sex club. That would be weird. Well, maybe. Okay. Let, hear me out. Maybe okay. the club isn't gay. Maybe the club is by curious. Mm, I've been to Either so way. many of those. <laughs> Have you been to any, like, have you been, you've been to New Orleans, right? Yes, many times. So I remember walking around in New Orleans and seeing, like, sandwich boards outside of buildings that are basically offering me to come in and watch people have sex. Yes. And I never fully understood what was happening in them. And I guess it's this. I I guess so. I, I wouldn't, I never went in to those with the sandwich boards. So, so I cannot verify one way or the other. But yeah, it definitely gets Zandali aroused, which was gay best friend's job, you know, like as a gay best friend in a nineties piece of media, your job is number one, tell the lead female, she's not getting fucked enough. And number two, try to help her get fucked. I think there is something to be said about his character, though. He isn't going to, like, will and grace levels of gay best friend. He's very unique um, mm. in that he's wearing a dress a lot of the time we see him on screen. Yeah, the he dress is, that he's, he's going to wear to the, the sweetheart ball that we never see. We never get to see the sweetheart ball. He's, he's getting this dress made at Zandali's store to go to the sweetheart ball and get himself laid. But then he never goes. Is, does, does this movie take place over such a short amount of time that the sweetheart ball has not even happened yet? Or did he not get laid at the ball and now he keeps having to come up with excuses to wear the dress still? Well, we weren't invited to the ball. Zandali was not invited to the ball. This is a side, like, let's face it. I would have loved to have seen the ball. It is no, a he side. Says, he says, are you coming to the ball? I feel well, like this is she... a deleted scene. Like this was something that was in the script that got left on the on the cutting room floor. So the European cut of this movie is longer and NC-17. Are um, you saying it's bigger, longer, and uncut? Absolutely. Bigger, longer, more to read. <laughs> but when she goes home drunk, she is And horny. Judge Reinhold's in bed. Is that who she wants to fuck? No. Who knows? But he's there. And this is the first sex scene of the movie, 21 minutes in. Um, Ooh, and I, can we call it a sex scene? Yeah. If yeah. it doesn't 
I mean, neither of them complete. It doesn't have to be completion to be the act of the act of penetration. I wasn't I wasn't even a hundred percent sure he made it in there, but I guess he was in and then she was like, ooh, put it in my butt. And then he was like, What? No. Before that though, I this is a big um this is a big thing for me with erotic thrillers. I think if a man is going to be in a movie like this, especially one where this actress fully nude a lot of this movie mm-hmm. like she she basically like, I, never wears clothes I, I she definitely never wears a bra because it's new orleans it, and it's too hot to wear a bra if there has to be up close shots of my pubic hair and i'm mm-hmm. a female actress this motherfucker i am standing alongside better to god at least show cheeks like better if a man doesn't show cheeks in the movie that is the bare minimum the bare minimum. The bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And it showed me that Judge Reinhold was on board. He doesn't get a lot of kind of starring roles in movies. So the fact that he got in this and was like, no, the judge is showing cheeks. All, court is in session, Your Honor. Here are my boys. I present to the court my butt. <laughs> and it was fine. It was fine. It was as good as a Judge Reinhold butt. You know imagine it to be but the but he's all depressed though because like he had a bad day at work finding out that like i don't know his company's selling out or something something no one cares about but that he is depressed about because it makes him feel like even more of a sellout than he already was so when zandali comes home all hot and bothered and ready to get it on he is like barely into it that is such an understatement because his wife is feeling zazzy, my friends. Zandalee is in a mood. And she basically turns around and is like, put it in my butt. Put. Put it in my butt. Put, I want the gavel. Bring in, it in. In the butt. In the butt. And he essentially cries. Yeah. Which, um, I mean, I get. Like, that's not everybody's. Thing. Not everybody's looking for that thing. No. But like Wait, it, it so time out like while a, I yeah. while I tell you the story of um when someone tried to do butt stuff at a party in college. Um I will leave all names out uh to protect the innocent and especially the guilty. Um but uh so we were was in, I in my, the other room. I don't know that you were cuz this was when the party <laughs> was pretty wound down. Um, and I was in the the basement. Uh, we were playing a, a cards drinking game at the table down there. And um, someone comes downstairs and he says, uh, is anyone into um, butt stuff? Anybody? Anybody want to? How does anybody down here feel about butt stuff? And we were like, um, no, thank you. And he was like, OK, because um, the, the girl up that, you know, he gave her name that, that we all knew uh, from the theater department. He's like, she doesn't want to have sex unless it's butt stuff. And I wasn't into that. So I just thought I'd, you know, come and see if someone you know, else, somebody else ag in. Yes. Yes. He, I think he thought he was being very gentlemanly that he would go like procure her some other options who would be interested in doing the butt stuff with her. Did was he crying? Did he have no. a real Judge Reinhold? Like he was not crying. He just seemed very drunk 
and kind of embarrassed. That's embarrassing. That is honestly, I respect his bravery to go to the table Mm -hmm. and be like, this scares me. I don't want to do this, but I I also am inherently uh, a gentleman and I want to procure this lady some butt stuff, even if I cannot provide. What the fuck? Well, I'll tell you this. Judge Reinhold does not go hand deliver Zandali to somebody else. But that's the thing. Per se. He's like, like, maybe he should have. It was that moment. That's the moment where he's like, I can't, he should have been like, I can't give you what you need. But you know, he would still be in a healthy relationship right now if if he at least gave it the good old college try. Or based on what you said, uh, an anti college try. Because in college, you. you... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So she jogs again. Steve Buscemi is back. But she runs into Nick Cage, who we find out. I guess has taken a job from her husband. Yeah, he works as like a cable guy for the company. Like he's he's the, got the working man job with the you know the the sleeves rolled up. You know, so but you when, can tell. When she, yeah, he's very blue he's collar now. Man. He's uh he looks he's like in dirty mechanic clothes essentially, and he looks exactly like the lead from the documentary American movie. Have you seen that? I have not. It, it all, I guess it came out around the same time, but he, if you look up a picture of American movie, just the poster, he looks exactly like that guy. Listeners will, will know what I'm talking about here. But- and then he shows off his tattoo, his one inch tattoo. Like, ooh, what a bad boy. He's got a tiny, tiny bicep tattoo. He flexes it and he's like, mm-hmm. this is the rose of fate. Like he says it sexy, like this tattoo gets chicks like it's definitely worked before for some reason or he would not have presented that tattoo Mm -mm. with that much confidence but like as with so many things like i I don't know if if nick cage's character has actually gotten all these chicks throughout his life because he says dumb pompous you know poetic shit or because he's got a tattoo or because he knows close-up magic as he shows (laughs) us later in the movie or if it's just like they take one look at that mullet and facial hair combo and they're just like, they're already on board. Uh, you know, he had them at hello. Uh, and everything else he does on top of that is 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 meaningless. So at this point, we get to the part where they're at the house. He presents the painting. Everybody hates it. Uh, they leave. Grandma and Judge Reinhold leave the room. He immediately starts making out. With Zandali against her will. And she's doing that classic, like, I'm trying to push you away, but also I'm not trying to push you away. I'm trying to kiss you more thing. But, like, also mostly she's trying to push him away. She's super horny, doesn't want it from him, but he's there. And and I guess he could just smell it on her, you know? Like, he knew she was horny and not getting it. He could eat a peach for hours. Mm. To my face off, fans. Um... <laughs> There okay, is so a the, peach in this movie too. There is a peach. Uh, this mo- like so the next scene is very bizarre to me. Zandalee's walking down the middle of the street. It's raining. She's got an umbrella. Nick Cage is watching her across the street from a car, and what I guess is a homeless man walks up to her and says, "Do you have something for me?" 
She looks in her purse, finds nothing, and just gives him her umbrella. And then just starts walking in the rain. She doesn't even button up her coat or anything. Because she's so hot and horny that she actually welcomes the, the cooling rain on her skin, is my theory. But did you see behind her as she was walking towards us? Yes. This man who took her umbrella is mm-hmm. now walking in the rain... Umbrella still open, but basically dragging it on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that, but you're absolutely right. She gave an umbrella to a man who does not know how to use an umbrella. Next, she takes a little walk. Nicolas Cage shoves her into an alleyway. And we get to what is the first of many fingering scenes in this movie. Many, many fingering scenes. And he's like, we're inevitable. Do you think he's good at it? I mean, he must be because every time he puts his finger within, you know, a foot of of her vaginal region, she is absolutely, like, dickmatized. Is that, like, a, a braggy thing that, like, if you heard somebody say... Like, I'm really good at finger. Like, would you believe them? Like, because no, that I would seems to be his them. strongest suit sexually. It does appear because, I mean, honestly, if we're comparing thrusting motions, I feel like Judge Reinhold has better technique when it comes to the actual thrusting. He looks like he's probably better at the actual sex. But, I mean, we see Zandalee's face as she's getting fingered and. It's, it seems like she's having a fantastic time. She tells him that this isn't going to happen. And he delivers mm-hmm. not just the greatest mm-hmm. line of the film, mm-hmm. but maybe of all. top 15 greatest movie lines of all time. I'm going to deliver this line to you right now. I'm so excited. <clears throat> We're inevitable. I want to shake you naked and eat you alive, Zondalee. Her cotton panties drop to the wet ground immediately. Like, I don't even know if she pulled them down. I think they fell off her body and his digits were inside. Like, (laughs) at this point, like 2023, if if I were a lady and somebody said that to me, it would just say they have questionable taste in movies. Uh, 1991, I think... My underpants would fall off my body. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it's a real interesting shot of her white cotton panties, you know, pooling down around her white cotton socks and her white tennis shoes. And it is a look like. mm, mm. I would ruin my life for this woman. Like, I I I hated that I couldn't be in there being like, I'm the fourth guy. I'm the guy back here. <laughs> I'm not here to deliver Steve Buscemi advice. I don't paint. Oh. I don't do poetry. But I'll treat you right. You know what? I want to be the Steve Buscemi character who's like jumping in to steal a stereo and give you life advice. That I, I that would, would be what I would want my place to be if I had to pick a character in this movie to to inhabit the life of. It's a very, like, Shakespearean character. Like, a very, like... He just, like, pops in. Here's the theme of the movie. Bye. 
See you later. I'll be back towards the end. Promise. (laughs) To make sure you all remember what the theme of the movie was. Let's see. They go back to Nicolas Cage's place. They bang. He finger paints her. Um, And he, oh my God, it really hit me during this scene how pompous and annoying everything he says is. He is every wannabe philosopher that you met in college who thought he could just say the dumbest shit to you and that you would not notice and instead be like utterly enraptured with all of his just completely either totally surface level or absolutely unintelligible like word salad vomit but did that ever work for you in college? Like, or is this you being a person in your thirties? But Sandal is not like, in college anymore, right? Like, they're like pretty like freshish out of college, right? Like a few years removed. We're in we're, we're in our twenties here in this movie. You know what? I'll say this: it probably would have worked on me in college because I was a I I was I was a virgin when I went to college. I didn't know shit. But then you heard uh, one of my roommates who uh, took a took like an entry level philosophy class mm. and like, like, OK, like this. He said to me one night, Garrett, the bricks that make up the walls of this room aren't even real. My white cotton panties <laughs> fell on the floor <laughs> and I had his penis in my mouth. No, you didn't. It's college. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. But like that is that's the kind of bullshit that Nicolas Cage is saying in this movie. Yeah. And it is working because like she's horny. She, he's dangerous. Yeah, and I guess, you know, she she was originally into Tari for the poetry and this guy's faux philosophical nonsense sounds almost like spoken word poetry if you squint. So what is the worst pickup line you fell for? Ooh, that I fell for? Yeah, um, yeah. That it's just like you're, like, or at the very least, you're like, I guess that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, um, I can't even remember at this point. It has been too too long. Why do you have a, an example of one you used that actually worked? No, I was never a pickup line guy. Like I was too timid and like shy to be able to like deliver. Like even when like signs of like do this now were presented to me, I never looked at that as an opportunity. I looked at that as like, okay, I guess I got to go now. Bye. What about ladies? Did you ever have like, did you have any like, do ladies do that shit? Does is there like a a Nicolas Cage equivalent in the in the I mean the there world? there there is. There always is. That's there's it's because it's like an over sexualized douchebag comes in many genders. Like the Steve Stifler of <laughs> of, of bisexual or lesbians. Like <laughs> like basically saying the exact same dialogue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Moving on. So we get to a dinner party. Oh, He's, wait. We can't th- forget. This does. It is during this scene that we set up Chekhov's Pepe. 
Chekhov's Pepe. Chekhov's Pepe calling on the voicemail being like, Nick Cage, you owe me money. Oh, yeah. Nick Cage owes money all over town for uh, some sort of nose candy, maybe a little something in the veins. But he, he seems like a sniffly boy. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and say nose. He brings his girlfriend, Marissa Tomei, but he is with a beautiful Marissa Tomei, a goddess, uh, a, a lady who somehow gets younger and more attractive as time goes on. Just she Gorgeous falls into a category mind. like Selma Hayek, where she is just beyond us on the Mount Rushmore of beautifully aging humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do not deserve her. Ian Abercrombie's at the table with Grandma, and Nicolas Cage tries to finger Zandalee under the table because that's his move. It. Yeah, yeah, it's you're right. It's he's trying to go for it. He's like, I know you like this. I know you like this. And the way they uh, establish the camera shot at first, I don't know where she's sitting in yeah. comparison to him. So I thought he was having to stretch across under the table. I thought that too. Which basically, Judge Reinhold would have to be like, why is your face on the plate? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just, I dropped something. Uh, I dropped my fork. Let me see your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that one in college before. Oh, She no. doesn't want it. Uh, she then... stabs his hand with a fork. And this is, this, this scene. So he follows her in and it's like, Fuck me while your husband's in the other room. She's like, cool, cool. Got it. Cool, Let's cool, go cool. in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first she starts blowing him in the kitchen. And, you know, uh, Marissa Tomei is like, Nick Cage, come back in here. And Nick he's like, just, I'm just helping wash up. Next thing you know, they're in the basement fucking on the washing machine. And that's the moment. That's the moment where you can see in Judge's eyes. Like, ooh, he knows something's up. He knows something, and the camera is slowly zooming in on his face, cutting back to them fucking on the washing machine. Uh. His face, fucking, his face, fucking. It finally gets so zoomed in on his face that he looks me, the viewer, in the eyes before it cuts away. Because you know what? He is he is judging you. Like he knows what you've been watching and what you're into, and he doesn't like it. That's his wife, goddammit. Yeah, you and I didn't necessarily finger Zandalee literally. No. But we didn't try and stop it. And no. he gets real fucking Eeyore about it in the camera. <laughs> he really does. I feel I felt really bad for him as the movie went on and he got more and more depressed and, and cuckolded and I'm just like, oh, the Beverly Hills cop doesn't deserve this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh grandma makes the case for adultery joe is basically like i'll go enjoy your liaison and she's like i'm okay yeah. <laughs> and she ends up having a very similar conversation to nick cage as the one at the beginning where it kind of seems like She's like, can I, may I please have butt stuff? And Nicolas Cage doesn't have a party to walk downstairs to, Mm -hmm. to ask a table full of people, does anyone want this? Wanted to do butt stuff. And And haven't we all been in that situation? He essentially cries as well. What is wrong with this woman's butt? Like, she's, I know that, like, the she doesn't have a ton of personality. No, but that shouldn't make her butt unattractive. She is... An objectively 
she's objectively an attractive human. Absolutely. She's like, you agree with that at least. I would not ruin my life for her, but if she were single and I were single, like absolutely I would, I would hook up with her. I don't know if I would want to marry her because she doesn't seem like she has a whole ton of thoughts or opinions or personality, but you know, like I would definitely (laughs) spend an evening or two. I'm your Joe Pantaleone and Mm -hmm. You come home, I'm like, how was it, darling? And you're like, <laughs> you're like, it was like talking to a fucking brick wall the whole night, to be completely honest with you. Um, and I'm like, well, how did it go? And you're like, oh, I fingered her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I fingered her for sure. And it was great. She loved it. She's super into it. I tried to do butt stuff. She was not. <laughs> <laughs> but yes listen no we've all we've all been with um someone who we knew we would never want to actually date but who seemed like they'd be a really good time and that's where i'm at with this so as this movie progresses judge reinhold who is just like a regular ass businessman former poet yeah or former poet falls deeper and deeper into his Eeyore of sadness. Oh, yeah. Where he becomes more and more poetic and kind of loses his mind. Yeah. Um, He's like singing on the trolley car, you know, when you're smiling. And and everyone's staring at him. And I was thinking, like, if I was on that trolley, I would be either, well, one, filming it to show all my friends later, but they didn't have cell phones back then, so they couldn't (laughs) have done that. Uh, Two, I would stay the entire time just to like watch and see where this is going. Like, what stop does he get off on? Like, I would be so curious. Or three, I would get off immediately because he seems like he might pull out a gun at any moment and shoot up the entire trolley. A hundred, yes, yes. My first thought would be like, this guy's got a knife at the very least. I am getting out of this trolley. I'll get the next one. Right. But like also my curiosity is is really strong also. So it, there is a chance that I would stick around just to see what happened at the expense of my own safety. So as he's going crazy on a trolley, Zandali, who, aside from jogging, we do find out through this movie, is a religious person. Yes, um, she goes to which... Catholic uh, church and uh, sits in the, the pew with a big crucifix on. Yeah, she's got to apologize for what she did. Nicholas Cage comes so into much. the church like a fucking pimp smoking mm-hmm. and sits down and he's like, Leave. I mean, if he doesn't respect her house, of course he's not going to respect the house of the Lord when it comes to smoking indoors. He's been up the devil's asshole. He has yep. smiled at him in the face and he survived. Do you think he's not going to smoke a cigarette in front of Christ? Absolutely not. So he has a very good line is he sits in the church and he's like, let's bang here. And she's like, this is church. And he, he's like, come with me, just leave him. And leave she's church, no. leave your husband, leave Jesus, leave them all for me. People and my die patch. and people die. Everyone dies. So leave him. Yeah. What a thing. She's like, I can't leave him. It would kill him. And he's like, I don't give a fuck if he dies. My best friend what a horrifying thing to say. 
Not like, oh, he won't actually die. Come on, girl. Or like, you can't be held responsible for what he does, you know? Like, no. Instead, it's, yeah, people die. Give a fuck. I would betray my best friend for her, especially oh if it was God, a best friend. Garrett. Come on. Like, it, this person is barely my best friend. I wandered into town to a, a bachelor party. Didn't even know this guy was here. We haven't talked in years. And now he's like, your yeah, boss. I, now he's my boss. I painted a picture, but like, I'm very smitten with his wife. And here, here's the thing. Maybe he isn't that good at fingering. Maybe she's just given him a sense of confidence. Like he hasn't had in years oh, where he's like, shit. I am the king of the digits. Like that could be, although no, because Marissa Tomei leaves him like three voicemails in a row. So clearly like other women are also wanting to ride the cage train again after the first time. Well, she does ride this cage train. They go fucking a confessional. Maybe in the butt. Maybe in the butt. And he comes so fast because he's talking about how like, isn't this? I can't, did you write down the exact quote? Because it's like, this is how, isn't this how God reveals himself to us? Isn't this the real miracle? And I'm like, no. But after that, after he comes, he looks up at the sky and whispers, thank you, father. Thank you. And then they go have a slap fight outside the church. Yeah, because she she doesn't feel right about the fact that they honestly it didn't even look like she was enjoying what was going on in the confessional. Well, she cried. Much. It yeah, was she's like, not happy about it. She gets home. Judge Reinhold is full fucking crazy at this point. Yeah, she he knows she's been fucking, and he looks at her He's and he says, in the "I cannot give you absolution. I'm not your confessor." Ooh, and, and she looks so oh, like, oh, does he? Oh, how did how did he know? If somebody screams that sentence at me, I'm leaving because they lost it. And that's not something people say to each other. I mean, nothing in this movie is a thing people actually say to each other. They're always talking to each other in like poetic-esque nonsense. Like that that didn't even register with me after going up the devil's asshole. I am wondering, though, like, am I too stupid to talk like that in real life? Or am or I not smart? Or am I? Yeah. Am I not stupid enough? Like, this is I love it. The dialogue of this movie. I mean, absolutely. When you go and watch this, put the subtitles on because there is shit that said that I'm like, oh, I need to actually read that to try and process to, to it. Process it. That absolutely happened to me, too. Where I was like, no, they didn't actually say that, did they? We're going to the bayou, folks. Oh, We're going to yeah. repair this marriage. We're going to go to Thierry's old fishing. Don't correct me again. I'll never remember <laughs> no matter what you say. <laughs> we go to their old fishing spot and he is going to. I don't know. They're going to fuck. They're going to come back. They're going to find. They're going to rekindle. They're going to find yeah. their love. They're going to make it happen. They're going to start anew. It's going to be great. But then before he leaves for this, he decides, oh, I need, you know, one last drink or seven at the bar. And who should he see there but Nick Cage? Um, and he tells Nick Cage, like, my wife's fucking around on me. And it's and it such, might be you. And it might be you. I don't know, Johnny. I just don't know. 
For all I know, it might even be you. Like, it's... I did... I could not parse. Like, I kind of loved it that I, like... How certain is Tari in that scene that Nick Cage is fucking his wife, do you think? It really seems like he doesn't know for certain, but he's suspicious. And I think he tells Nick Cage where they're going, like that it's the old cabin, because it's like a a test. Like if he shows up, then I know he is fucking my Zandali. And at this point in the movie, like truly not a lot of thrills. Like I think sometimes the eroticism and the thrill go hand in hand. Like mm -hmm. the thrill of getting fingered in an, a raining alley. Like that is, I think, both erotic and thrilling. It doesn't. Or while your husband's be... in the other room. Correct. It it doesn't always have to be a sense of danger, like to your well being. Yeah. To, yeah, physical danger. But the last half hour of this movie goes so hard in the paint on oh, going wow. crazy, not just being sexy, but being thrilling, dangerous. Oh, yeah. And but you have no idea. We, 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 as we were watching it, we were like, who's going to die? Somebody's going to die on this trip. Who is it? So they go. They're having a fine time. We see uh, Zandali naked again. She's got she a little flower crown on. She's... Yeah, it's they look so fucking hot. Yeah, she looks real good, and they're they're doing a real hippy dippy kind of look to them, mm. and then they Flat they have pounds. sex, and it looks it looks good. It looks like they're enjoying themselves. There is not butt stuff, so he didn't come she around didn't scare on that. Him. I guess. Yeah, but it wasn't but like, like a rocky beach. Yeah. 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 And while he was fishing, that was the weird thing. I'm like, wait, what percentage of this trip is he actually spending fishing instead of repairing his marriage with his wife? Um, I know that your partner has also been into fishing lately. Is there anything you need to tell me? Damn, Garrett. What, right here? You're going to ask me about that right here? With microphones in front of us? With yeah, because I want... in front of us? I want the truth. Yeah, what I need to tell you is there's a writer's strike going on and so he has a lot of free time damn it there's not a third there's no third <laughs> no i'm so sorry <laughs> there's no nick cage lady that's boy like... i know don't i wish that that soul patch <laughs> was mine so i, I we'll just let's get to this the the fucking craziest shit in this movie to me turns out nick cage is at their location they go outside they like basically confirm everybody knows everybody's sex in here. And Sandalee's so uncomfortable. She's like, I just wanted to fix my marriage and now like this sucks. This is not this, what I wanted. This fucking guy's here that's been fingering me all over town. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to be with my husband and bang in the flower crown. But he's like, Sandalee, dance with me to this Zydeco song on the dock. And she says, no, thank you. He looks at Nicolas Cage and he says, let's show her how it's done. No questions asked, no dialogue, full like two to three minute little dance where oh, Judge Reinhold is leading the dance. Yes, yes. And yes, he is. they're making direct eye contact. eye contact the entire time. They're spinning like it is. It finally it is, makes the love triangle into a full triangle because there's definitely some sexual tension there um, between, you know, 
the two men. Like, I don't know if it's like a direct sexual tension of like, we, we might want to fuck each other or if it's just like the brothers, that thing where you like, we both fucked the same woman. And therefore, we are now sexually connected in a way that cannot be denied. And now that energy is coming into this dance. What did it make you feel, though, that Nicolas Cage, it's almost like he's caught off guard by it, but has no choice to do it. And basically caught in this dance, basically submits into taking the woman's role of the dance. And then and the is like dance getting gets, dipped and twirled. Yeah, and dipped like, and twirled and curtsy at the end. Yes, he even curtsies um, while they make eye contact the entire time. And yes, it's I think it is an acknowledgement of like Tari has the the um the, the longer standing claim on the woman. Like so so Nick Cage is putting himself in the subordinate position because he knows he is like the underdog in this fight. Do you think in the the script, it just for that whole portion just said, gay little dance? (laughs) (laughs) And I don't mean that. It turns kind of into a dance fight too because it starts to get really aggressive with each other. Like some of those dips and turns are like, angry and and forceful it's a turn where the arm is wrapped around not necessarily in a chokehold but where it's like this it's not not a chokehold dance ends motherfucking Tyree. Tyree. no you had it right the first time damn it (laughs) pulls a gun on everybody he points it at his wife everyone Aims it at his buddy, points it at his head, and it's like, let's go on a fucking boat ride. And inexplicably, everybody's like, sure. Because <laughs> he I'm, puts the gun away. There's a chance to tackle him. And that be like, is the thing. Crazy. It's not like he puts a gun to Nick Cage's head and is like, get in the boat. No, he puts the gun away and is like, hey, guys, let's go on a boat trip. And they do. This, this like, everything from... Like, I don't want it to sound like I'm using gay as a derogatory term. I love gay people. You fucking better. You're talking to one. It's a gay little dance, and there's no other way to put it. It's a weird little gay dance. Yeah, and, and it's then, literally gay because it's two men. It's so it's two men. Yeah. So we move on. We're in the boat. Nicholas Cage offers to drive because his buddy seems like he's lost his mind a little bit. Yep, 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 Nicholas yep, yep. Cage takes over, takes a sharp turn. Tariq falls out of the boat. Yeah. And then Zandali wants to go dive in to go to go rescue him. But Nick Cage is is suddenly like, no, we need to talk about our relationship status and we need to talk about it right now on this boat while your husband is drowning. And but she's why like, can't we wait? Why can't we wait, Kit? <laughs> we can't wait because he's caught in the hyacinth. He is caught. His he is drowning because because this bayou is full of plants and they he is stuck and he is drowning despite having grown up around here and he can swim. He is drowning. And when she says that, Nick Cage stops punching her for a second. Because <laughs> he did. He does actually punch her. Like in the long canon of Nick Cage punching women in movies, like here's here's one to add along with Wicker Man. And uh, she dives in, and then for reasons I'm not entirely sure, she starts drowning too. I don't 
know if she also got caught in the hyacinth. It was not clear. Yeah, it, the hyacinth will fucking get you. I don't know much about botany or the bayou, uh-uh. but I know that fucking hyacinth. It'll um, it'll fucking kill you. Nick Cage has to dive in and go rescue both of them now. Mm-hmm. And which he, he decides, does, yeah. And he do, he saves Zandali first and like drags her off to you know the shallow part where she can you know safely uh, stand. And he d- goes back to go get his his buddy Tari. And he does. He successfully like pulls him out. And then Garrett, what does he do? The most inexplicable thing in the entire movie. Tari comes, like he gets him up. He's near his head. He's saving his buddy. Tari gives him a hard bite in the neck. Gets a real chunk out of Nicholas Cage. Yeah, there is like blood everywhere. And Nick Cage is startled and, and drops him. Oh, and he's yes, he sinks to the bottom, but Nick Cage keeps looking for him for a while and keeps trying to save him even after Tari bit him. So, like, you know, he's not a totally bad guy, right? No, <laughs> but it's such a weird way to kill yourself because, spoiler alert, Judge Reinhold is dead. Yes. He popped up, bit his friend, and sank to the bottom of the bayou. Intentionally drowning himself. Which, Which at means, a certain point, you do hear the sentence like, how can you drown when you know how to swim? The answer is when I you mean, don't have the will to live anymore. Or, I mean, people can drown in like two inches of water. It happens all the time. I mean, I don't know if donkeys can swim or like how good they are, but I feel like Eeyore would just die. Yeah, he would like, just choose he was, not to, to swim. Yeah. He he was too full Eeyore. Which he was too crazy. Is the question, do you think when he first proposed this trip, was he planning on killing himself out there? Not until her? Nicolas Cage showed up, for I sure. As like, soon as Nick Cage showed up, the plan became one of the three of us is going to die. I think that when he fell in the water and got caught in the hyacinth, he knew that was the end. I don't think it was premeditated until the hyacinth. See, I think I got the feeling he was such a he was so beat up over everything that like maybe I got the feeling maybe at the bar, like when he invited Nick Cage, right, as well, not invited him explicitly, but let him know where it was so that he could show up and interrupt and, and, you know cause trouble if he wanted to that that was judge reinhold's way of being like here's your opportunity if you want her come and get her and i will kill myself (laughs) because he he gives nick cage that line about like i should be grateful to him whoever this is who's fucking my wife that he can give her something i can't and satisfy my zan and is is this is the trip meant to possibly be a passing of the Zandali torch? I don't know, but I know that it led to the best plant death since Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, right up there with the happening. That was some pretty good plant deaths too. It was. Um, it's not as explicit as Little Shop, though. I'll give I'll give that one that. Like Steve Buscemi shows back up at the at the grave. We have to include that. That Steve Buscemi shows back up and he's like, Hey, what you doing? And she's like, Oh, I killed my husband. He seems totally cool with that. He's like, Oh yeah. 
Oh. Well, okay. Be careful what you wish for, because you might yeah, get it. Yeah, he's, he's a magic grasshopper. He's uh, an angel from above that's coming to drop some knowledge. One of those dis- prison garbage men angels you hear so much about. He says the phrase, a religious artifact. I mm-hmm. don't know what that means. It's one of those things that as a writer, when you come up with it, you're like, this sounds fucking awesome. But you also find out later that a seven, like a, a seventh grader also has the phrase artifact in her diary. Mm, that's a really good point. But yeah, so he shows up for that. We find out he's a vegetarian. Um, Steve Buscemi is inexplicably like the most well-drawn character in this whole movie. He has so many more like... So much nuance to him that I wanted to know more about, but but couldn't. He, we know more about his character than we do Zandali. For sure. Um, uh, but anyway, so yes, then uh, Nick Cage goes full Cage. He is, he's, I'm pretty sure his character is supposed to be coked out of his mind. He's covering himself in black paint and screaming. Um, this is the part where the art critic guy shows up and is like, uh, your old work is better and Nick Cage fucking loses it. Which it's a real good art killing moment where he just kills yeah. all of his paintings. Like you said, paints himself black and he's crying. Um, and you get the feeling he's more upset that like, well, what was the point? Like, why did I do this torrid affair and ruin my life and kill my best friend if i didn't even become a good artist because of it like what's the point of emotional pain if i don't get rich off of it and can buy more cocaine <laughs> to be fair he did, like i know everybody feels like they killed judge reinhold or teary uh but to fuck me i thought we'd be arguing over how to pronounce zandali more than Tari. his death was a combination of like on a sheet when the coroner shows up he's like well from what we can tell, it was a high in th- hyacinth su- <laughs> slash suicide. It was a hi- suicide by hyacinth, the 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 saddest kind. Like in a, the Billy Joel song, "We Didn't Start the Fire." I don't. It wasn't heavy metal suicide. It was hyacinth suicide. Hyacinth suicide. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Uh, but um, yes, then then Nick Cage decides to go and try to have another fuck with uh, Zandali. She don't want to. Um, she don't want to. In fact, she says Therese's name while he's like, by all appearances, like wrist deep inside her. Like his hand is way, way under her thigh. He's got to he give her th- one she'll never forget. One you'll never forget. A good fisting <laughs> for the road. If you thought my digits were great, wait till you feel my palms. Mm, that's the good shit right there. But no, she says Therese's name and he's upset and she walks out wearing Therese's coat and uh, he's stalking her through the streets of New Orleans and and then Chekhov's Pepe comes back and he's like, oh, you better pay your debts, Johnny Collins. And Zandali like throws herself in front of the gun, um, just like she did with the train, because she mm-hmm. also doesn't want to live anymore. And Nick Cage is all no. And then um, basically, her gay best friend comes up and just like, oh no, oh fuck, shit. Do I get the shop now? Is Tata still running the shop or, or what? Who's gonna fix to go my to dress? <laughs> yeah, the ball's coming up next week. The ball's next week, and my hemline is not correct. This movie is 
fucking bonkers. It's a it's not like the craziest Nicolas Cage performance we've ever gotten. No, but he does get to go pretty hard. He gets to go pretty close to full cage there when he's painting himself black and and scream crying. So the way I vision, like at least the way I was doing these rankings, I'm basing where we put this movie on three things. Mm-hmm. One, was I aroused? Mm-hmm. Two, was it thrilling? Mm-hmm. Three, would I ruin my life for this person? Okay. And let's go through. Okay, um, scale I mean, what, one to five? One to five. Okay. Five being most horny, most thrilled, most willing to ruin my life. A five is your underpants fell off in a wet alleyway. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, I'm going to put this one pretty low on the thrills because it was really only at the end where I was finally like, oh, shit, somebody's going to die. And even the stuff where it's like, oh, your husband's in the next room. It didn't really feel like... Tari was Mm -hmm. such a sad sack that I never felt like anything bad would happen if they were caught. I feel like if he did actually catch them in the act, he'd just look at them with his big sad face and his droopy mustache and be like, oh... Okay. So it never really <laughs> felt like this was a, a real tense situation. So I'm going to put this at like a two on thrills. Okay. Um, a three and a half on aroused because we got to see some really great boobs. Excellent. Um, full frontal for, for the lady. And you know what? We did get to see some cheek, some good looking cheek from the men. But otherwise, no cage cheek it. though. No, yeah. Oh, you're right. There was just Tari cheek, and it looked good. Um. So yeah, I'm not gonna. And and also like I don't know, Nick Cage's um college student, you know, freshman thesis talk was not was not doing it for me. It was not not making a bayou swamp out of my panties. So uh, I think it's like a three or a three and a half on. On that, and as for would I ruin my life? That's a one. I'm not ruining my Clearly life for no. any of these people. Yeah. So we do disagree on a couple. Like I think you're clo- like as far as the thrills, I think you're close. I maybe bump it up to a three as oh, far really? as thrills because I think Is it the, the hyacinth, end, the, that terrifying the, hyacinth. <laughs> yeah, the, the whole ending, like like I said, thrills can mean a lot of things. It doesn't necessarily have to mean physical danger. That ending is so bizarre and crazy yeah. that like it definitely made my heart rate race a little bit and my brain spin as I was trying to figure out why. Why is this why? happening? Why is this happening? So I'm going to go three. Three out of five. See, I think like I don't know close. if it can be that thrilling when the biggest danger to anyone in this movie is themselves. Everyone ends up killing themselves. Nobody kills another person. A gun is present at one point. You oh, think that, that does not count. Like I don't she know. kills herself by throwing herself in front of the gun. Like everybody in this movie wants to die kind of from the beginning. Okay, as far as erotic, and yeah. you know, this is to movie to movie, this is gonna be subjective. Of all course. of this, all of this will be. Erotic, I give it five. Five Five out of five. Five out of five? Was that Nick Cage dialogue really doing it for you? It wasn't that. It is just like, I love Sandily. 
<laughs> like, like I said, I'm not joking when I tell you, like, if I were the passerby that's like, uh-huh. I'm going to get in, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring mm-hmm. and try and beat both of these guys. I'm going to be the third guy being like, me too. Give me a shot. See, here's the I'm- problem is like. First of all, I don't understand that because she is such a Bella Swan to me in that like- I love Bella Swan. Okay. Well, now I don't know how to argue with you on that one then. But like- I've got to a me, uh, Therese being a sad sack and Nick Cage being all fake poet bullshit, um, like that was anti-horniness for me. It actively sucked some of the horny- out of the movie to hear these guys and be like i know so many assholes like that in college who would try to do that same dumb shit where they pretend that they understand the universe and like isn't god showing himself to us every time i spooge yes he is (laughs) and that's anti-sexy just like zandali is an anti-muse I don't mm-hmm. know that you're as gay as you think you are. <laughs> I I'm a hundred percent. It was the straight part of me that that was okay. That was thrown off by this movie because it's the men who turned me off. <laughs> they Zandali, drained your juices. They that drained much? my juices that much. I'm, I'm fucking, sorry. You're the like. See to me like. By the end of this movie, Zandalee, because I'm just like following this lady around. She's nude all the time. Um, yeah, she, and that was great. I don't know. I was the fucking blueberry from Willy Wonka by the end of this. And like I had to go be, <laughs> be juiced. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like Look, I get it. I like, and here's the thing. Somebody can be extremely gorgeous and like, so fuckable and i could be so aroused and still not be willing to ruin my life for them i it it is unsettling that she has such bad taste in men this is where it comes into the twilight thing where it's like it is a lady with two bad options yes yes absolutely and And, there are other fish in the sea she's in new orleans there's plenty of options go fuck singer songwriter aaron neville who was working the bar is that really who was working the bar? Yeah, that was Aaron Neville. Huh. Who is from, I was like, why? I looked it up. He's from Louisiana. So they're like, we got to get somebody authentic in this movie. Right. Uh, All right. Could, well, either way, what do you say? Like, should the people watch this movie? Is this a fun movie to watch? I had fun. I definitely had fun watching this. Even if I would not ruin my life for any of these people, it is still sexy. It is still like, especially that ending is is thrilling. And it is something to see in front of your eyeballs this weird dance metaphorical and literal between the two male leads so i would say yeah go check it out i agree i agree this is a this is a movie that like if you're looking for this one certainly falls closer into the bad movie category uh than it does like you know like yes i very much enjoyed this movie but on a level that it definitely didn't succeed no i don't at, think it's what it was going for aims, uh but but it, it failed in such interesting ways that it's definitely uh worth you know having having a, a glass of a rosé uh and uh and enjoying some 
you know, turn the air conditioning off and open all the windows in the house so that you really get that like swampy bayou, you know, kind of atmosphere and uh, and just see where this one takes you. Maybe don't eat like some jambalaya first. Maybe do something lighter. Like you need like Cajun food doesn't really it doesn't play a part in this movie. But like if any of them had had some red beans and rice, there would certainly be less sex. There would absolutely be. You need to do that afterwards to refuel yourself when you're already feeling kind of loogie anyway. Yeah, yeah. But considering how much this movie loves New Orleans, it is a little odd that there's no actual Cajun food present. Wasn't important. No, not like Zandily. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to the first episode. This was fun. Yeah. We're going to do so many more movies. Like that is the fun thing about this genre. There is an infinite amount of these good, bad, straight to video, everything in between. Yeah, we're really looking forward to to getting into the nasty. So do us a favor. If you enjoyed the show, come back next week. See what we're talking about. Also, rate, review, subscribe. We love those. Say something nice. And if you want to follow us on social media at erotic thrillers club on Instagram, I'm at Gartet kid is I'm at and caboodle. Get it? Cause kit. It's so it's and caboodle. I get it's it. A good joke. I get it's, it. a good, it's a good joke. All right, everybody. Thank you. Thank we you love so you. much. Never forget. We're inevitable. And we're going to shake you naked. <laughs>